0: Welcome to Speak Your Truth Now, this is Amanda and I'm joined with Mallory, and we are doing another episode off the record. We are going to be talking about the 2020 election. At this point, it's been, I mean, it feels like it's been longer than a week. I guess it really hasn't. Um.
1: Yeah, it hasn't even been a week. It was called on Saturday. It feels like it's been a decade, though.
0: Yeah, and so much has happened in just this past week. Yeah. I thought that'd be really cool to kind of catch up and talk about what we did on election night and the highlights and kind of just reflect on the Trump years and, you know, what's come of that and maybe look to the future and talk about what might be coming soon. So The last time that we were on the show, we were talking about the election and what we were going to be doing that night. And, you know, we had our different plans. How did your 2020 election night slash nights turn out for you?
1: (laughs) So the actual election night, like I was so good at sticking to my game plan. I logged out of work at four o'clock my time. And I put all my stuff on airplane mode. I went out on a walk. I didn't turn on the news. I didn't check my phone. I like it was an all analog night. Like I listened to records. Like it. It was. I honestly like I had a blast that night. Mm-hmm. I ate a bunch of food too, of course. Election night itself was pretty good for me. Uh, but in the days that were to follow, I discovered just how much CNN one person can watch and like be <laughs> on the verge of losing their mind. Because uh, when I woke up that Wednesday morning, you know, I obviously, I checked it as soon as I woke up. And then I think right after I sort of got out of bed and had been on my phone, I was like, well, let's turn on my TV and tune in to CNN. And that was the story for the next, you know, four days or whatever was left in that week. Um, so yeah, a lot of CNN, a lot of refreshing in those four <laughs> days that felt like four years. Um, but yeah, what about you? How did your night and the subsequent nights
0: go? Yeah, so dude, I was like hyped up on election day. I had the TV on. like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really excited. Actually, I was grinning from ear to ear because I don't know, I was already feeling like good things were going to happen and Mm -hmm. I was just going to embrace that feeling and just run with it. So I was in a good mood. I was hoping that by the end of election night that we would have more results in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, more projections, even though I knew, you know, realistically, like everybody else, that it wasn't going to be called election night because of COVID and how many more mail-in ballots there were and the fact that a lot of states could not start counting those until election day. So I knew it was going to be a long road, but I was really hoping to have a better idea of how things were going. And of course, you know, things were a lot, a lot tighter than i had hoped Mm -hmm. but i i had the tv on for all of those days (laughs) in the beginning (laughs) in the beginning i was like flipping back and forth like from Mm -hmm. cnn to msnbc oh man Um, yeah i was like all over it (laughs) so many talking heads (laughs) and then i realized that it was all the same and so i just stuck to one channel (laughs) you know when they called it it was so funny and i've heard people you know that have had a similar story as well but when they called it i was surprised i was caught off guard you know mm-hmm. so i'd had the tv on all the time i was staying up super late waking up really early and mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. just like i don't know it was unhealthy yeah. but <laughs> of course it was saturday morning and i was getting up early Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I really don't feel like getting up and turning on the TV in the living room. And nothing's really probably changed. And so I just kind of sat there and I was like, you know what? I'll just turn on the TV in the bedroom and like see what's going on. And so I literally turned it on and I like saw CNN, saw that nothing had changed. (laughs) And for for some for some reason, I don't know why, I like skipped to a couple other channels
1: mm-hmm.
0: thinking maybe something different would be going on. And I got to MSNBC and within like five seconds it was called. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> I was so excited. Um, but I, I was not expecting it. It was just so funny that Um, It happened in that way. And I know a lot of people, too, had missed it or had just, just, you know, just went to bed or were still sleeping or decided to take a break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a good day. But obviously, like, the excitement's worn off a little bit, Mm -hmm. but the weekend was really fun um, with everybody celebrating and singing, and dancing in the streets, Mm -hmm. and playing their music, and we went out to Oakland, um, downtown Oakland, and kind of walked around, and there are people partying, people like dancing, and playing music, and it was really fun to kind of just be around that energy. Yes, yes. Yeah, Um, of course, we socially distanced and had masks on, but it was just so So fun to be around like-minded people, people that were excited about Mm. the possibility of a change. It was like a really emotional day because I kind of just reflected a lot on the last four years and just really how much it has affected me personally. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, like I, um, you were actually the one who broke the news to me Saturday morning. (laughs) I, much like you, like I had sort of like given up, you know, on getting news And so I had gone to the grocery store early in the morning and I had my phone plugged in. So I had like me and my Apple CarPlay going and I saw that I was getting texts from you and I was like, eh, I'll be in the store in like five minutes. There's no, I don't need to listen to that right now. And so I, you know, I parked them the grocery store and I checked my text messages and I saw that you had texted me the good news. And (laughs) I, I, I started crying in the middle of the grocery store parking lot. I wanted to like scream and dance around and, like even just like going grocery shopping, I like, that was still like really early in the morning and early in the day. Um, like everyone was just like so excited in the grocery store. Like, everyone was chatting with each other about what a great mood they were in. Um, I went to a local park later on that afternoon, and like as soon as I sort of like climbed over the sort of like hill I guess and could like sort of see you know a bird's eye view of the park like I saw all the people there and I heard the music playing I just started crying again because hmm. like it like it was just uh, I don't these last four years I knew they were bad don't get me wrong but I didn't realize like just how much I had been like holding my breath for like four years non-stop and like yeah. I felt like you know Saturday morning was like the first time in four years that I could like actually like let out that breath that I had been holding and be like, whoo, okay, there's so much stuff to do still, but I'm going to celebrate this victory and you know have fun and you know treat this as just something that should be celebrated and you know to have fun with it and you know' cause I think it's important to have those moments of celebration and joy so you can you know have the fuel for later on because yes. as we actually I don't know if we've even talked about it on here but as you know uh Biden was not my first choice among the candidates so I I'm very glad he won I'm very very glad he beat Trump but now I'm ready to cyber bully him and being more progressive
0: <laughs> yes yes I agree yeah like you said it's last four years have been very draining, and I knew it was rough i I felt it was rough, but on that day and since I'm really like unpacking the effect that the Trump presidency has had mm-hmm. on my psyche <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome. laughs> and it it really has you know had a very negative effect and as far as election night and the results. It was a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah. I mean, Republicans, Democrats, progressives, um, I think we all believed that the Democrats were going to make just a sweep. Mm-hmm. Of course, the polls were showing that Biden was leading by double digits in multiple swing states. And so that's why on election day, I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was smiling. And I'm like, you know what, even if the polls are off, we're talking double digits. Mm-hmm. Like, this is okay. It's it's a big margin. I think we should be okay. But it really was super close And so what did you think about the fact that not only was the presidential election really close, but also when it came to Congress, Democrats didn't do as well as they thought. And Mm -hmm. there were some seats that were lost in the House as well.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, like, I wasn't expecting, like, a blue wave or anything like that. Truth be told, I had prepared myself mentally for another four years of Trump because I could not relive, like, the heartbreak of 2016 again. So I had to, like, mentally prepare myself for that. But, like, then, you know, like as sort of the week went on, I did start to get more hopeful about it. But, yeah, like, I was really hoping that the Senate would also go blue. Um, Honestly, I was not expecting this close of a fight for the Senate. And now it seems it's going to come down to Georgia, which is so wild to me. Um, It's going to come down to Georgia um, and those special runoff elections in January as to who controls the Senate, which like honestly, I'm kind of kicking myself for registering to vote in Colorado and not voting absentee in Georgia, because that's really exciting what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I've been really surprised by Georgia and what was going on. And that was definitely a highlight. Um, just kind of watching that state and watching it go blue. And I think that kind of helped bolster spirits a little bit with um, mm-hmm. bad news that we were getting from places like North Carolina and things like that, that we had expected to flip, um, but, mm-hmm. but then didn't. And so, you know, seeing what was going on in Georgia was really great. And of course, now we're at a really critical position because we have the runoffs in Georgia Mm -hmm. And in order for, you know, Democrats to have full control, they will need to get both Democratic candidates into the Senate in order for the Senate to be split 50 50 so that I guess Kamala can go ahead and break any ties. Mm -hmm. But I feel hopeful that it'll happen. And I know that there's a lot of money being poured into it. There's a lot of resources but, you know, it's happening on both sides. Both sides are really pouring money into those elections. So I'll really be interested to see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, I feel like that in January is going to be like another like mini presidential election in some ways because like it so much hinges on it oh, that it does feel like really high stakes. Oh.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think technically they are doing the the recount now in Georgia. Mm hmm. And they're doing that by hand. And so, of course, um, you know, obviously, I think I think Biden was ahead by like 11,000 or so. Yeah, maybe that's that's bigger. Yeah, at this point, I can't remember. But obviously, doing the the recount, historically, hasn't really changed results, especially with that big of a a margin. So Mm -hmm. I think we're pretty much set right now. And so, of course, we're dealing with the fallout from the election and the fact that Donald Trump isn't willing to um, recognize that he did lose. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're trying to steal our joy and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, slinging all of these allegations of voter fraud and whatnot, you know, obviously in the places where he didn't win and the places that he would have needed to win in order to possibly get the electoral college. So obviously, a lot of people can see through that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you would hope so. But I don't let myself like, go down that crazy rabbit hole too much. But like, I uh, earlier this week, I did like, like, let's go to his Twitter feed and like sort of see what's going on there. And like, all of, like, the all-caps tweets and the links from, like, these, like, really, like, alt-right websites that are not credible at all. And, like, all of this, you know, bullshit lies that, you know, claims of election fraud that's, you know, based on nothing. And his, you know, his refusal to concede or acknowledge the results. And, like, I'm not sure if you read about this, but, like, Biden's not even getting security briefings like he can't even start his transition period officially Mm -hmm. until like you know trump recognizes this Mm -hmm. and so like it's like in addition to being like a little too close to authoritarianism for comfort like it's also like it's affecting you know biden's plans and his ability
0: to start planning his next four years Right. It's having a real a real impact. And I think a lot of people have been talking about how it can have an impact globally as well,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: can kind of make us look weak to our enemies and the people that would wish for us to have chaos and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it definitely is, you know, like a national security concern, not to mention this is just Unreal. Everything about the situation is unreal, but from the past four years, what should we expect? Yeah. I did not think that this guy was just going to accept it right off the bat, but I also didn't think that it was going to be all of these allegations of voter fraud. And what that really is doing is just tarnishing and damaging, you know, like citizens' belief in the system, the voting system. Mm -hmm. And if people don't believe that we're having fair elections, then that really does have an extreme effect on our democracy.
1: Yeah, like it's, you know, you and I have talked about this many times before, but like if we can't, you know, acknowledge that these are the facts, oh, this is true, like, you know, voter fraud occurs very rarely. If it does occur, like it's not usually, you know, enough to sway an election one way or another and like these you know like trump and his supporters are just refusing to accept the basic facts which again like this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone like we we've we've been here the last 4 years we know but it you know it just it seems like the final sort of like kick in the gut like as you know we're lying on the floor for the last four years like it just sort of feels like that final blow of mm-hmm. you know like we finally you know organized and got people out to vote and voted him out and we can't like I feel like there's been like an asterisk asterisk oh I can't talk uh like next to my excitement the past week because like I'm like oh yeah this is so great it's exciting he's gone and then the back of my mind I'm like but what if he refuses to leave office? What if he refuses to do this? What if he, you know, damages, you know, you know, information or tarnishes information or whatever? So like, I feel like I can't fully celebrate, you know, the excitement of him being voted out yet. Cause like, who knows what he's going to do.
0: Right. And of course, yeah, he's dragging all of his supporters down with him along the way. And I think another thing too, that I really wasn't expecting was for so many Republicans to back him up. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I didn't expect it. (laughs) Because as (laughs) we've seen, they have aided and abetted him along the way these past four years. But I thought when it came down to these institutions that Mm -hmm. politicians in general seem to hold very near and dear to their hearts, you know, like our voting system, I thought that they would stand up for that. And either put him in his place, or just at least come out publicly and say, this isn't acceptable, we have safe and fair elections. So I was kind of disappointed in that.
1: Yeah, me too. And like, again, like, I I don't know why, like, I keep thinking, like, it's gonna be different. Because again, I've been here the last four years, I I know what it's been like. But like, like you're saying, like, you would think like these sort of pillars of our democracy and our country, like you would think, that everyone would champion and uphold these things, but it's really proving to not be true. And it just, you know, I mean, like, when I sit back and think about it too much, I get really upset. But these are the same people, though, who have, you know, let another stimulus bill for COVID relief for, you know, average citizens, like they've let that stimulus bill sit on their desks for months and months and months and haven't moved on it. But they sure found time to ram a Supreme Court justice through in 10 days, didn't they? Right, right. <laughs> of course they yeah, did. Like my god, like like and this was like you know, and we, we don't need to get too much into this, but you know this was after, you know, Mitch McConnell said several years ago that you know, you can't do a we we're not going to do a Supreme Court justice nomination this close to the election. The American people should decide. And then what did they do right before the election? Rammed a judge through.
0: Yeah, I think the hypocrisy is really hard to to wrap my head around. Mhm. And I don't think that it's fair because I've been hearing this too in a lot of the conversations around what's going on. I don't think that it's fair to say that all politicians do this and it's not something just coming from the Republican Party. I really believe that when things get hard and complicated for Americans, they like to just blame politicians and just say, you know, all politicians are bad. Mm and this is what they do. They try to, you know, try to pit us against each other and blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I don't know, like as time has gone on, I've kind of tried to be, to think about that more critically. Cause I think in the past too, I've been very quick to just dismiss politics in general and Mm -hmm. all the people that are involved with it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really cynical. And there are politicians that care and aren't inherently corrupt, you know, or just totally incompetent, even though we're seeing a lot of incompetence now, but they are people just like us. And they're working in a system that is not great. (laughs) You know, a two party system that's not that great. And that there are people out there that want to make good change. And I think that it's kind of hard to see that right now. Um, Mm -hmm. because of the way that politics are. And it's just kind of, it's kind of sad. And it's easy to kind of just just write it all off. But I think that can be really dangerous too, because if you write it off, and you don't think that anything that you can do matters, then, you know, people won't show up, they won't vote. And it gets even worse at that point for us.
1: Yeah, it's like like for like people who say like you know I don't I don't care about politics. All politicians are corrupt. That doesn't affect me. Like I think that's a very privileged position to be in, um, mm-hmm. because my rights and the rights of my friends, I feel like those are up for vote every four years, and I'm really sick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I wish I had that luxury of not being able to pay attention to politics. Like, trust me, I would love nothing more than to not, you know, spend a significant chunk of my time doom scrolling and learning and reading about all the ways that we as a country are not doing so great. Like, I would love nothing more than to not care about this stuff. But like, I don't have that luxury. It's, it's just not what it is. And like you were saying, there are some politicians, you know, in the Democratic Party that I don't particularly care for and I don't agree with always. So and, you know, like I have to remind myself sometimes like, okay, well, that's not what I wanted. But, you know, it's, it's a, a step in the right direction or it's not a bad thing. It's not harming anyone. So, okay, I can be on board with that. But, yeah. you know, I, I, what I really hope and I think and hope we'll see this, you know, in the years to come, like, I really hope we get more progressives out there. Cause like, there are like some politicians, like, I mean, like AOC is the obvious example who make me so excited and who like, Mm -hmm. I feel are really in it for the right reasons. You know, like she's not taking lobbyist money or anything like that. Like she's not working for big pharma, whoever, like she's working for the people. And so like, I really hope um, in the years to come, we see more and more progressives taking office and winning their elections and gaining more power.
0: Yeah, I really think that even though the election was really close, I feel that the majority, maybe a slim majority, but the majority of Americans are wanting those progressive policies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, I think on the whole, people want to keep the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare and people, for the most part, want to raise the minimum wage. And we can see that from some of the successes that we saw from the election, you know, like at the state level too. I remember, you know, Florida obviously Mm -hmm. went red. It was closer than a lot of people expected. But if you look at, you know, some of the things that Florida residents voted on, they voted for a $15 minimum wage. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's a progressive policy. So I think, that's interesting because we're seeing those successes at a local level and it's like well why aren't people voting more for progressive candidates and I think mm-hmm. there's like I don't know I, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on on why and what that looks like but I think maybe some of it is that a lot of Americans get confused about policies and like ideology mm-hmm. and I think that instead of thinking in Republican versus Democrat, I think that a lot of people they hear the policies that they like and they vote for them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But once you associate it with the actual party, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's not as effective, right? I don't know. I don't know if that's that makes sense. But no,
1: no, that totally makes sense. Like like you were saying before, you know, when you mentioned the ACA, um, there was a study done. I can't remember, a while back, I think. But whenever people were, like, presented, like, information on the ACA, and it was called Obamacare, they didn't react favorably to it. But whenever that same information was presented as, this is the Affordable Care Act, people mm-hmm. were all for it. And so, like, I mean, I don't want to get, like, too, like, icky and marketing, but it is sort of, like, a branding issue almost. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, Florida, you know, passed the minimum wage, but went red, how many states, like five states legalized uh, weed in some way, shape or form, either recreational or medical, Oregon decriminalized all drugs, which is incredible. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, like these progressive initiatives, they do really well, like at the state and local level, like Colorado, we passed a bill for um, 12 weeks of paid sick leave for like, if you have an emergency or your family has an emergency, Um, that's you know 12 weeks is covered and so like people want these things and they vote for them and they pass and then you know the state goes red or that district goes red and like it really I hate the word branding so much but like it really does seem like a branding issue like people Mm -hmm. just you know and like I have read some talk that like that was Part of the speculation as to why a lot of the Cuban population in Florida voted for Trump because they were, you know, fed this advertising of Biden is a communist. If you vote for Biden, it's going to be communism, just like it was in Cuba all over again. And like that, like, God, I wish Biden was nearly as progressive as the right seems to think he is.
0: Right.
1: But like that stuff, like it's like somehow, like you're saying, maybe the ideology is what's getting in the way of these people understanding that if you're voting to increase the minimum wage, you probably also want to vote for progressive or Democratic candidates as well. Like it, I don't, I don't know, but it's fascinating to me in a really terrible way.
0: Yeah. You know, what you said about calling Biden a communist, that, that reminds me of kind of like the rhetoric around like AOC and a lot of the other progressive Democrats, a lot of people call them socialists and things like that. And even people in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I know that recently, like some senator referred to AOC as like a socialist or something like that. And it was a Democrat. And it's, it's a shame because I think, yeah, people see that and then they assume the worst when if you probably just presented some of the things that AOC and progressives want and what they're passionate about, a lot of people would probably agree with those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I mean, it's really interesting. And yeah, the marketing thing. Yeah. I I wouldn't know another way to say it either, but it's, you know, is there a way for Democrats? It's almost like they kind of need to get back to the drawing board and, Mm -hmm see, you know, how do we frame our party and how do we talk about these things? Like maybe we focus on policies more. But, you know, I know a lot of what drives people away is kind of out of their hands too with just, you know, things like Fox News and fake news and social media too, just constantly selling that narrative, you know, of them being socialists or communists whatever. And it just like really hurts us. But then on the other hand, too, I mean, I was thinking about the Republican Party, and just like wondering, when are they going to pivot? Because so much of what their party is standing for right now is just being scared of change. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their policies and things are kind of xenophobic, racist. And at some point, You're going to have to get more people into your camp. But if you're alienating LGBTQ people, if you're alienating Black and Brown and Indigenous people, and then white folks who aren't cool with that too, at some point you're going to have to embrace (laughs) some. You're going to have to, (laughs) you know, find a way to change some of those core values Mm -hmm. to get more people on your side. And so I'm wondering, like, how are they gonna do that, and also too, with the abortion thing, I'm assuming that at some point like they're gonna have to to drop that right? I mean, I don't know well see
1: i think I think they know that they are struggling to draw more people in, and I think that's why you see a lot of these last minute moves to restructure the government i mean again, the most recent example being you know ramming that judge through the very last minute and stacking the Supreme Court, you know, so that it skews horribly conservative, like, I think they know that they're a dying breed. And like, this is like, their sort of dying axe is trying to say, well, if we can't hold on to our offices and these positions of power, we can at least make it so that our policies and ideologies that they live on in our institutions, because as we know, like, it's really hard to change institutions, it's really hard to pass, you know, an amendment to the Constitution. It's really hard to add another judge to the Supreme Court and so on and so forth. So like, I think they know that they are going out and not attracting more people. And they are trying to burn the house to the ground as they're leaving.
0: Yeah, the fact that they're having to use fear as one of their main tactics, I would hope that that would be very obvious to people. But yeah, I think there's going to have to be a lot of conversations had um, with a lot of people over the next several years, because a lot of people voted for Trump. And Mm. um, I saw something on Instagram the other day that I thought was funny, but something along the lines of white people need to start talking to other white people. (laughs) 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 Because 55% of white Americans voted for Trump.
1: Yeah, and, like, I don't know if you remember this, but it's one of my most vivid memories from the 2016 election. Um, There's this picture of the Women's March in D.C., um, and it was – so it was these two white women in the front wearing, like, the pink pussy hats. you remember those? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was those two white women in the front, and then either, like, in the background or right in front of them uh, was a black woman who was holding a sign – that said, don't forget white women voted for Trump. but And like, it was just such a, a powerful contrast, you know, of these two white women and their pink pussy hats, you know, taking a selfie, smiling, and then, you know, her off to the side, you know, reminding <laughs> us all that white women overwhelmingly voted for Trump in 2016 and in 2020 as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And when I saw that statistic, I was really surprised I think that a lot of people are are still really surprised by that. I think it brings us back down to reality mm-hmm. um in that there is still a lot of work that we need to do and you know I've been hearing a lot of people <laughs> who think that they're above the fray, you know, mm-hmm. for saying these kind of things, but I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I don't care who you voted for, like let's all get along and it, you know, it's <laughs> over now and I think it's a lot of people that are just not wanting to be attacked or not wanting to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people get to say that with this election. I think that we gave a free pass to a lot of people in 2016 who voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people, you know, could say that they were hoodwinked and that maybe they hadn't been following the news or hadn't been aware of all the crazy things that Trump has been up to his whole life. (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, it's 2020. Like, it's been four years. Mm-hmm. No, we don't have to get over it. We don't have to pretend like everyone's buddy-buddy. I mean, yeah. if if you voted for him, I've got a problem with you. Yeah. I really do. And I, it took me a long time to, like, be comfortable with that and not be apologetic about it. But that's it, man. Like... I've got a problem with you if you voted for Trump, because like you said, like with every election, we're fighting for our rights.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're fighting for our lives. And people may think that that's alarmist, but it's very true and very accurate.
1: Yeah, I mean, like there are no any doubts that you could have argued that you could have had in 2016. They were not there this year. You know, I mean, like it it's like so much chaos and horrible stuff has happened that it's really, it's hard to keep track of it, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when there's just like so much awfulness, you know, coupled with horrible incompetency, like that's a terrible combination. Cause like even just hearing that like Biden has a COVID, you know, task force ready to go on day one, I was so excited about that. And that's like basic governing (laughs) one-on-one, Like, that is right. the most basic thing any government should have right in, in the middle of a pandemic. And I was just, like, so excited about that. I was like, there's going to be, you know, doctors and scientists and experts on this panel. And, like, like little moments like that I've had the last week or so where, like, you realize, like, just how much you've sort of become not even used to it. It's like you never get used to it, but, like. You start expecting that as the norm. That like whenever you know you see like someone doing what the government should do, and you know having intelligent thoughts and communicating them in an intelligent manner, you're like, wow, holy, I forgot it could be like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. like, Like I just you know I don't I don't know. I mean, do do you really hate the rest of the country and the rest of us who don't look like you so much that you would rather burn the whole thing down. Cause that's exactly what's gonna happen and what, you know, they've tried to do for the last four years.
0: Yeah, that's really true. And um I've been thinking a lot about like how to speak to people that voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, not me personally, because <laughs> <laughs> I've already had some experience with that. And so if anybody has any advice, please pass it on. But Trying to think about ways to reach out to people that may be I'm trying to find the right way to say this. Work, they may be worth saving, or they may be <laughs> worth, <laughs> they, they may be able to come around. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a way to be constructive about the fact that so many people voted for Trump. Because there are people who fundamentally think that he's the second coming. Mm-hmm. There's people that think that he is a Christian and that he loves America and that he's here to stand up for the working class. And it's, I'm just trying to find and brainstorm ways. To help others, <laughs> maybe reach out to their their close family that may have voted for Trump, and I don't know what the best way to do it is other than appealing to emotions because the facts aren't working, no, clearly not, and so it's you know what do you do? I mean, you know, I won't say who this was, but there's someone that I know that, swears up and down that Trump isn't racist, that he's the least racist person, oh like you know, not like not like he said, you know, the least racist person that he knows and the least racist person in the room, but that he's not racist and he's for the black and brown communities and he's you know, doing such great work. Well, how do you reason with that? I mean, there's obviously a lot of examples of this, but just for example, thinking about the race thing He's called four women in Congress savages. Mm -hmm. He's told them to go back to where they came from, which they are all from here and they're they're all American citizens. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's called Mexicans rapists. He's said when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Grab them by the pussy. Never
1: forget. Yeah.
0: Never forget that. And stand back and stand by.
1: Mhm.
0: And, you know, the Central Park 5, they should be executed calling protesters thugs, calling the coronavirus a china virus, uh saying kung flu um when referring to COVID-19. I mean, the Muslim ban,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's so many things. Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Those are just the things that I can just think of off the top of my head and I'm sure that there's plenty more referring to Atlanta as a rundown city referring to Baltimore and Chicago as rundown cities. I mean, do you have any idea of how to appeal to Trump voters or to a Trump voter? Like, I've been trying to think of some concrete things or advice to give people, but I haven't even been successful.
1: So I would, I would say my response to that Is two things. Uh, One thing I like to do whenever, you know, I'm having a conversation with someone who is a Trump supporter, um, I like to make them explain why they agree with this. You know, like whenever someone tells a racist joke, you ask them, well, why is that funny? And you explain the punchline. You're like, that's not funny. Like, what's funny about, you know, making fun of such and such ethnic group? I don't understand. Can you please explain the joke to me? So I Mm -hmm. find that approach is... I mean, I don't know if it's successful or helpful, but for me, it's sort of the best way to have those sort of interactions um, and make them sort of, you know, have to undo it on their own and, you know, think about it on their own and, you know, put all the pieces together on their own instead of me saying, well, this is why I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And the other thing for me is, you know, while I will have those conversations, as much as I do not like them, I will have those conversations uh, the other thing has been to focus on: Okay, how do we register more voters? How do we make sure more Democrats and more progressives and left-leaning people? How do we make sure all of us are voting? What can we do to capture the people who, you know, vote occasionally, or the people who've never voted before, or the people, you know, who are just now eligible to vote? How can we support them and get them to the polls, get them in office, get them engaged? Because I think that that for me feels way more rewarding than, you know, having a Trump supporter explain to me why it's the China virus.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And that makes so much sense now that you're kind of laying it out is having them kind of talk through it Mm -hmm. and putting it back on them. Yeah, kind of working on it that way and see what comes of it. And maybe it may take multiple conversations. And it may have to come from multiple different people, too. Uh, Luckily, I don't have many people very close to me um, that I have to have those conversations with. But for some extended family members, I reached out to other family members and I said, look, I can't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I can't be the only person trying to speak reason and everyone else is silent. You know, like I need someone to back me up. I need people to stand up. And so I think a lot of people just don't want to ruffle feathers. They don't want to, you know, talk about politics. But who else to have the conversations with in your family and extended family? Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, you have a better chance of, of that not ending in a, a broken relationship. Mm-hmm. You would hope because yeah. your family, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just some rando, you know, on Facebook or like an acquaintance, Mm -hmm. I think that we've got to get a little bit braver about having those conversations. And you know what, kind of talking through it with you, if I run across any family or extended family or friends, then maybe I will try to kind of engage a little bit. I'm just so damaged. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I've been so damaged from all those conversations.
1: Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like, you know, it's not often all that talked about, like how draining and exhausting these conversations are to have over and over and over and how much that wears on you as a person.
0: Yeah. I mean, just to think about it this way, like talking to someone that isn't acquainted with reality almost I mean, when people are speaking back to you and they're speaking not truths, but fiction, (laughs) Mm -hmm. things that are not true, it can make you so frustrated. It can make you feel like you're crazy, Mm -hmm. like you're spinning your wheels. It's like you're not even – we're not even on the same wavelength. Like you said, Mm -hmm. we can't even agree on facts. Right. And. It is draining. It's so draining and, you know, the emotional toll it takes too, depending on your relationship with those people and how invested you are um, in the relationship is draining too because, you know, for the most part, not only, especially if they're family, not only do you want to um you want to change their minds, you want to help them see reason, but you also want to preserve the relationship too. Yeah, it's
1: really it's difficult. It's very hard to navigate. And it's,
0: yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just very yeah. hard.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I, I'll be curious to kind of see how that goes, too. You know, just opening it up and say, well, why do you like Trump? And then ha- let, let's see what they have to say. Oh, well, you know, actually, he didn't do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Or
0: he never did that. He promised it, but he hasn't really done it. Mm-hmm. or well i couldn't vote for biden because he's a socialist okay well what makes him a socialist
1: yeah
0: um what has he done that makes him a socialist i think that could be easier and it probably will go better with people that aren't so far on the other side that they're saying things like well joe biden is a pedophile like yeah <laughs> maybe those people are a little bit too far gone. But I can see kind of try to talk through that and kind of rationalize with that person if they're just misunderstanding or if they are just not aware of what's really going on. But I think that right now, there's a lot of things that we have to work on, but there's a lot of positive things. And like you said, kind of seeing the Biden camp and what they're doing and how they're preparing for the presidency, you know, with the COVID team. And, you know, he's already basically sharing his nominations for his cabinet and already talking about some executive orders and things that he'll get done on day one and rejoining the Paris Climate Accords and Mm -hmm. those kind of things make me feel really good. I'm just... I guess I'm just kind of counting <laughs> counting the days um until I guess January 20 can finally kind of get to work. And like you yeah. said, Biden isn't our savior. We need to hold him accountable mm-hmm. and we definitely need to make sure that he brings the progressives with him. Yes. Um, you know, on this four-year journey and th- the worst thing that can happen is that so many concessions are made to kind of try to to show that he is willing to bring the nation together. And I, I know that's what people want to see, yes. But I think that compromising on the things that got him voted in to begin with is probably not the kind of compromise that most people want to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, like at the very least, he owes Stacey Abrams whatever she wants. So for all that work she and so many other organizers did in Georgia to flip it blue.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for Stacey Abrams yeah. and all of the people on the ground and the the grassroots communities and campaigning that went on. And I'm sure that they're, <laughs> I'm sure that they're working hard right now too. And uh, shout out to people who are in Georgia you know, or just anywhere in America that are wanting to kind of help pitch in and kind of support those candidates in the runoff. Uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. If you go to Vote Save America, you can actually adopt Georgia. And (laughs) what you do is you adopt it and they send emails to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You adopt Georgia um, and they send you emails on ways that you can get involved. Like calling people, donating, texting, going to events if you're local in Georgia. So, a really cool thing, check out Vote Save America if you're interested in kind of helping. And I think <laughs> I think that the times that we're living in are very strange, but hopefully things are starting to kind of look up a little bit and, you know, trying to kind of balance the good and the bad. So, being really excited and happy about about the election and the fact that Trump is leaving.
1: <laughs> Finally.
0: Yes. And then also being realistic and realizing that a lot of the issues that we have are so much bigger than Trump. Yeah. And they're still here. Um, they're not leaving. They're not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. I remember thinking back in 2016, like, even if he lost in 2016, like, he awakened so much hatred and discord in this country that like even if he had lost in twenty sixteen it wasn't going away after right. that and it's not going away now. It's here to stick around. Um then there's so much work to be done to get us sort of back to where we were before he was president and then get us further left and get us with more progressive policies in place. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, this podcast isn't called Speak Your Truth for No Reason, like We really want people to be out there and having those conversations, those hard conversations with people, like we said, talking to the Trump supporters, talking to the people who may not want to be involved in politics, talking to the people who don't believe that racism and sexism and all the other isms don't exist anymore. And that's what we have to continue to do is just have those hard conversations and just try to to be encouraged and surround yourself with other people that are also having those hard conversations. So we can kind of support each yeah. other and also bitch about how horrible it is. <laughs> yeah, <that too. laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we got to get together yeah, and talk off the record again. And, you know, once again, hopefully some people found the conversation interesting and I guess we'll speak soon and we'll work on our next episode. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.